Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today, you will hear a sermon from Pastor Jeff Abiera. So without further ado, here he is. Uh, good morning, I'm uh, Jeff, and I'm the next-gen pastor here at Harvest, and I have the privilege of giving the message for today. And we want to welcome everybody again, and today is our special family service, so we have people of all ages, from the youngest to the oldest here, worshiping together, and our hope is that we would do it in one voice and one heart for our, our one God. As many of you know, I do a lot of affirmations, so we're going to do it t- together again, all right? So whether you are five years old or 20 years old or 50 years old, if you're a follower of Christ, please repeat after me and say, I am a child of God. I am loved by God. And I am the light of the world. Amen. Last week, we revisited the topic of time within the Kairos and Kronos understanding from Pastor Dave. And if you didn't hear it, man, listen to it online. It's a great message. Um, For today, we're going to be looking at the scripture and looking specifically at uh, the book of Philippians. And it's really interesting because the book of the Philippians is considered the most joyful book of the New Testament. The most joyful book of the New Testament. But the crazy thing is, if you take a step back, um, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote the book of Philippians, do you know where he was at? He was actually in prison. Today we're going to be talking about the secret that he offers us for living in the most joyful book of the New Testament. And we're going to be talking about the topic of contentment. Everybody say contentment. The title of my message today is The Power of Perspective. The Power of Perspective. Our perspective has the power to allow us to shine for Jesus in an incredible way. And it's Labor Day weekend, and for many of us, maybe not all of us, we're taking a break on Monday, and my hope is that we wouldn't just take a break, but we would actually pause and see where our hearts are, and if our hearts are aligned with Scripture in the way that we view our work, the way that we view the blessings that we have, and take a moment to see. So contentment, one explanation of contentment is this, contentment comes... Not from having everything, but from appreciating everything we have with the right perspective. Contentment is about focusing on what you do have, right? Rather than focusing on what you don't have. And to break it down even further for the young people in this room, it's simply feeling happy or joyful with what you have, even if it's not the most expensive thing or the most fancy thing. Paul was in captivity when he wrote this. And we're going to look at verse 10 through 14 first, but we're going to look at the entire chapter as we go along. And my ask is that you would just read this with a humble heart and just realize how much we are blessed by a good God. So let's look at verse 10 through 14. It says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, 
but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Amen. Uh, Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this weekend. We thank you that we have families gathered, we have individuals gathered here to worship you and to look at your word. And Lord, I pray that as we study the the topic of contentment um, through the lens of your scripture, Lord, I pray that that would be um, the way that we live our lives, Lord, as a reflection of your goodness. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you at this time. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. In relation to last week's message on time, I'm going to start off by sharing a quote that I heard while I was doing my studies this past week. There was one man, and he was on his deathbed. And the very last words, which is very sad, was this. He said, so much time wasted. So much time wasted. And for that to be the last words of a man on his deathbed, I think it gives a little bit of honesty to most of us, or not most of us, to many of us, right? I believe that these words can impact both the young, the old, and everything in between. And it's a sentence that really rocked me this past week. And I was preparing through the lens of contentment. I asked myself that, and I filled in the blank in my own life. I said, where are the times where my life was wasted? And I said this, I said, so much time wasted complaining. I said, so much time wasted, even in my 35 years of life, not enjoying the blessings all around me. I said, so much time wasted being ungrateful. In the scripture we just read, Paul is writing where? He's writing in prison. And when you look at the entire book of Philippians, I don't see any writings there where he adds wasting time on complaining. Raise your hand if you've been to prison before. I'm just playing. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. But I've been to prison several times for ministry. Okay, I got to add that at the end. I've been to the Rockford Jail. Um, I've been to... Juvenile Detention Center in Chicago a few times. And I've even uh, done ministry in the Tijuana, Mexico prison. And I will say this, from the observation as I I walked into these places, as I um, go and talk to the different inmates, my observation is that when you're in prison, it's another level if you can still be content in there. And Paul writes all of this stuff. The whole book of Philippians was written in prison. So the next time you study Philippians, imagine that. And it will bring a different type of weight when it comes to joy. For those taking notes, and especially for the C's that have your clipboards, I got three points for today. Three powerful perspectives that lead to contentment. 
We'll start with this. Number one is this. God is generous. Everybody say, God is generous. God is generous. One chapter prior to this, uh, Paul actually talks about how everything he gained in life, which he gained a lot, he considered garbage in comparison to knowing Christ. Everything, all his accolades is garbage in comparison to knowing Christ. Paul is saying that knowing Christ is a gift that is better than anything that you could ever have in this world. The gift of the gospel that Christ invites us to be in communion with him. He saves us from our sins and even has a plan for our lives that is specifically for you and I. Knowing Christ surpasses anything that we receive. And in verse 4 through 7, it says this. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Again, he's writing in prison. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. And don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Within this call to prayer and rejoicing, Paul writes, do it with thanksgiving. Because he sees the generosity that God has given to him in his life. While he was still a sinner, Christ died for him. You know, it's so simple. But can honestly, I, I believe that we should always start with this posture of generosity. You know, one thing though is it's hard to believe that God is generous when you forget a couple things. One of those things that might make it hard for you to see his generosity is when you forget that he gave his one and only son in Jesus Christ for us. The other day, I had some father and son time with my son Jeremiah, and we went to the playground, and after the playground, we went to get some ice cream. And you know what happened? He was eating his ice cream, and he had one scoop left. And you know what he did? He said, Daddy, you want some? And I thought he was going to mess with me, right? Because he's done that before, and then he pulls it back. <laughs> but he brought it out, and I ate his last scoop of ice cream. And it felt so, so special because that was his last scoop. It's different when all that is given is the only thing that a person has. There was this one time I walked into uh, my old church, and this guy had a really nice jacket on. I just introduced myself. I said, hey, that's a nice jacket. And he's like, you know what, try it on. I was like, no, it's okay. I just, you know, it's a nice jacket. He's like, no, I want you to try it on. And I put it on. I was like, okay, it looks kind of good. And you know what? He gave me that jacket. And it was cold that day. It's crazy. <laughs> I tried to give it back, but he wouldn't let me. All right. It's different. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God is generous. Three perspectives that lead to contentment. Number one is God is generous. Number two is this. God is good. Everybody say God is good. There's this, there's this old school thing and some of you are about to do it. All right. For some of the, the younger people in here, back in the day, we would say God is good and we would say all the time. And then I would say all the time. 
Okay, let me teach you youngins real quick, all right? That's what we're going to do. I'm going to say God is good. You're going to say all the time. I'm going to say all the time. You're going to say God is good, all right? All right, here we go. Let's try it. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Verse 8 through 12. Let's read that. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content, there's that word again, with whatever I have, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secrets of living in every situation, whether it is full, of stu- full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. In summary, those verses is saying the scripture is teaching us that to have a perspective that comes knowing that God is good. He listed things that there are a lot of good things around. You know, the presupposition is that God is good because he gave those good things. And it simply says, focus and fix your thoughts on the blessings right in front of you. God is good and all the time. Amen. God has blessed us with so many things. But there are many things that get in the way of recognizing his goodness. And one of the things that gets in the way, especially in our day and age, is comparison. Comparison is something that can eat us alive. And I hate comparison, because even in my own life, I compare all the time. Comparison messes us up. And sometimes you might compare yourself to somebody who might not have as much, and it's going to fill you up with pride. Or you're going to look at somebody who has more than you, or has a better situation than you, and you're going to be bitter and lose sight of the good things that you do have. Now, I'm going to point this out real quick. I'm, I'm talking about more than just money. I'm talking about situation. I'm talking about circumstance. But when it comes to money, let me point out really quick, money is neutral. Money can be good. Money can be bad. The Bible says that the love of money is the root to all evil. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. It says, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. So material possession and money is not bad. It's neutral. But it's what you do with it that makes it sinful or glory to God. As I talked about Labor Day weekend, a lot of us are to work hard. I believe that it is honorable to God to work with excellence, right? But in the same light, in Ecclesiastes 4, 6, it says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. It's pretty much saying it's better to have one with less craziness, right? Than to have two where you can't even enjoy living. When Paul is talking about the secret of living in contentment, I don't believe, again, that he's just talking about the things that we have, but it could also be the places where we live. It's interesting, us in Chicago and Illinois, what do we always say? We always say, man, I want to move somewhere warm, right? And then in the same light, I know people like in the South and Florida, and they're like, man, 
It's too hot here. I wish I could move somewhere a little bit cooler, right? Or maybe some of us complain about the church we're in right now. We say, man, if only Harvest did this like that church. Or maybe for some of us, it's only if I had his job or her job, then life would be so much better. Or maybe for some of us in this room who want a toy so bad, like, man, I want that toy so bad. Life would be perfect, mommy, if I had that toy. Or maybe it's social media, comparing yourself to different likes and followers that other people have. Or maybe, I'm going to tread lightly on this one. Isn't it interesting that some, some single people, right, long so bad to be married, but then on the flip side, some married people, okay, all right, should I say, oh man, some married people have been longing to be single again. Oh my goodness. Contentment with godliness is great gain. But comparison often ruins it. All right, for the single people in the room, I got a pro tip real quick for dating. All right, you know what's really attractive? Something that's really attractive if you're looking for somebody is somebody who is full of contentment and gratitude. Now, I'm not saying someone lazy and no ambition, okay? But I'm saying those who truly count their blessings and are secure and confident in God. That's very attractive, all right? Oh, some people taking notes over here. <laughs> all right. It's weird if we really think about it. Some of the things that we even prayed for for a long time, eventually over time, it might be the same things that we begin to complain about. Just like how we see the Israelites that left Egypt and they start complaining again. With Paul, the people he was writing to were not in prison, and he was. And he was able to fix his thoughts on the blessings. And the crazy thing is he fixed his thoughts on his blessings, but also their blessings. He was saying, you guys are blessed, but I'm also blessed. Right? He's saying that God is good to you and to me, even as I'm here in prison. He's saying, I am good. Don't worry about me. Uh, this time I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Stan if you get ready for my next illustration. Thank you. Um, so I brought, I brought an illustration. I didn't ask permission for it. Uh, I'll apologize later if this is not okay. I need my hands for this. All right. First, I'm going to do a quick uh, dad joke for Pastor Frank, because he loves dad jokes. All right? All right. Uh, where's Pastor Frank? All right, Pastor Frank, why are chickens so funny? Because. Oh, yeah. All right, Stan, can you help me again real quick? All right, I brought a chicken with me. A real chicken. All right. I think it's okay that I brought a chicken today. <laughs> All right, this is my chicken. Um, gives me eggs every single morning. We call it butt nuggets at our house. And 
I name all of my chickens chicken. <laughs> Just in case there's an emergency and there's no food at the grocery store, we got to eat some chicken, right? It's a lot easier to eat chicken than my pet named Brenda. <laughs> so there's a story. It's called the golden egg story. All right. So there was this farm. He had a chicken just like this. Beautiful chicken. This is a sapphire gem. And, uh, and every morning, this farmer would go and get the eggs, right? He had lots of chickens, but there was one chicken, and it was his favorite chicken. And it was his favorite chicken because the chicken would lay a golden egg every morning, all right? So what did he do? He was like, oh, my gosh, I'm about to make some money. So he gets the egg. Every day he gets it, he goes to the market and sells it for a lot of money. Right? So he got a lot of eggs, and he's like, I love this chicken. But then he began to get greedy, and he was like, man, I want more golden eggs. He said, you're taking too long, chicken. I need it now, right? So rather than trusting in the timing and the process of the hen, what he did was he took the chicken and he was like, man, I bet you there's more golden eggs inside of you. So he killed the chicken and he looked in the stomach and what did he find? There were no eggs. Man, that's real dark. I know. <laughs> Sorry, that's a real dark story. But, <laughs> but I think there's something really interesting we can learn about that story. You know, we see the farmer not have contentment. We see the farmer get greedy and saying, give me more, give me more, right? But in doing so, in trying to take control of the situation on their own, it ends up being destructive. And eventually, everything is lost because of his lack of contentment. All right, Pastor Stan, you could take the chicken now. You ready? I'm going to throw it to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, give it up for my chicken. Yeah. All right, appreciate you guys. They don't know how to close the gate, but they'll figure it out. <laughs> you guys, I, I believe in you. All right. So again, the farmer got envious. He got greedy. And here's the thing. If you really take a step back and think about all the sin that is talked about or that we see in the Bible or even in our own lives, every sin is kind of rooted in envy, wanting something that you don't have, right? And causing you to do destructive things. And that's called envy. And there's something crazy that James says in the book of James. James actually clarifies that envy is earthly, unspiritual, and even demonic. When we are envious and not content, it's actually something very very serious. And the Bible even says, do not covet, right? In the Ten Commandments. And the only way that we can truly battle envy is by remembering that God is generous, that God is good. And my last point for today is that God is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. 
The farmer, he did not trust that the chicken would keep producing, right? He took it in his own hands. And a lot of us, sometimes we take, our, take things into our own hands because of our greed, because of the things that we want more. But when we see life through the lens of what we see in Philippians 4, we will find contentment. Because when we start with God, we begin to allow our hearts to align with the scripture. In verse 13, it says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. We can do everything through, through Christ because Christ is trustworthy. Bible says he's faithful to a thousand generations. And when we start our lives with God, the secret of living can and will be found. And we will see that a generous God, a good God, and a trustworthy God, when we truly believe that, creates a content heart. Contentment is found when Christ is at the, at the center. There is no one like Christ. He's the name above all names. And he is so good to us. The end of chapter 4, I'm going to end with this. And it says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God that is generous. You are a God that is good, and that you are a God that is trustworthy. Lord, as we are here on this Labor Day weekend, and for many of us, we are, we are able to rest, I pray that we would really reflect, Lord, on the places of our heart where we are lacking contentment. And Lord, I pray that you would be the one that is at the forefront, Lord, of our minds as we recognize that. Give us a lens that is a reflection of the gospel, Lord. I'm going to just lead us in, in a very short time of uh, prayer. And one thing that I do in practice is sometimes I thank God for anything that comes to my mind. And I literally try to list things just one after the other and not spend too much time just thanking God for one thing, but for many things. So let's take a moment and let's just thank God. God, thank you for even the little things like my home, things like clothes even, or your siblings, your parents, your shoes, your grades, whatever it may be. It can be as random as it is and just say thank you, God, for and fill in the blank. Let's just take a minute to do that. Just list off things you're grateful for, for God. And let's take a moment now uh, to just 
ask God, God, forgive us for the, the envy that we carry in our hearts. God, forgive me for the toxic comparisons. Forgive me for longing after things and replacing you with that thing. Let's take some time to just say, God, forgive me. I repent. I want to turn away from, from discontentment and look to you once again. Let's do this at this time as a church. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.